0: Welcome to the Ponderings Podcast, I'm your host Milo. It's been a while, I took a bit of a break, it's been over a month or two since my last episode, Um, just been trying to consume more in order to produce more later. Uh, Just been reading and sort of following my interests. Uh, Specifically, I've been really into Norse mythology and Viking history, which is like random, but that's sort of where my interests were going. (laughs) Which led me to read some things on Nordic animism and other forms of animism in general. All this is instigated by my few readings on James Hillman, which I will spend this specific episode talking about. He's been changing my mind a bit on myths, imagination, psychology, and language. So I'll be spending a bit of time on him for the next couple of episodes. Of course I'll still talk about Whitehead every now and then especially since his cosmology fits so well with James Hillman's thought. So yeah, this is episode 17, an introduction to James Hillman, and I'll begin sort of going over how I got to James Hillman, and then all these sort of random pathways towards uh, mythology. Um, I've always been interested in philosophy and religion, and it's just a matter of time um, that you know polytheism or mythology sort of comes into the picture. It's sort of where my interests go. I, I sort of go through different phases in my interests, and I find that I learn best when I just follow my interests wherever they lead me. Right now, my interests are expansive: exploring the imaginal realm, exploring history, culture, myths, and also religion. An adventure of ideas, as Whitehead calls it. My readings on Norse religion and history have shown me just how much culture is mixed and influenced by the surrounding cultures and peoples. So no culture is, like, pure. There has never been a pure culture or set of people that have not been influenced or have influenced others around them. And these others would include, like, non-human entities, like the environment, animals, plants, concepts, language, things we cannot see, myths, all these things influence culture, cultures influence other cultures. There's no, there's nothing untouched by the other in our world. I don't think there's anything. I think once we're born, we're immediately touched by everything, by senses, um, smells, tastes, uh, sight. All the information, different types of cultures, different types of ways of being, being a a plant, an animal, all these things. Obviously, it's through the lens of a human, and that's sort of, of course, where I'm coming from it. I'm I'm always going to be talking through a lens of a human, because I'm a human. So that will definitely be impacting anything that I say. But yeah. So... With that being said, this podcast will continue to be on philosophy, of course, but I will also digress into other topics such as history or anthropology and psychology, sort of wherever my interests end up, even religion at times. Uh, but I always sort of um, connect back together. I'll always sort of weave things back into each other so that there's sort of a, a thread connecting all these things together. Um, There's actually a podcast that reminds me of this sort of eclectic process. It's called As Variously As Possible, and it's hosted by Tom Cheatham. I think that's how you say his last name, but he is an expert on James Hillman and Henry Corban, as well as so many other topics such as botany, ecology, other philosophers, etc. He sort of just follows wherever his interests and ideas take him. Which is what I plan to do with my podcast because that's just sort of how I am when it comes to the things I'm interested in. Um, it's my natural state of being when it comes to learning. But yeah, so if you're, if you like that sort of eclectic process or podcasts that touch on many different topics that sort of have to do with each other, but are sort of interdisciplinary, then I recommend his podcast. But yeah, so you can find my podcast on any podcast hosting site, such as Anchor, uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I also post videos of this podcast on YouTube. Um, I'm going to start posting this podcast again every week on Mondays, so stay tuned for the episodes to come. Anyways, I'll start by introducing James Hillman and maybe read a passage or two. He's been a difficult read, but I feel like my mindset has changed in terms of how I view psychology, my dreams, and his concept of soul-making. James Hillman. He was born in 1926 and died in 2011. He is seen as the main successor to Carl Jung and was head of the Jung Institute in Zurich in Switzerland in 1959 before Jung's death. He termed his own vision of psychology under the name Archetypal Psychology, which I will elaborate on later in this episode um, and probably in other episodes that have to do with James Hillman or, you know, related topics. Um, Although he is the main successor to Carl Jung, his approach deviates fundamentally from Jung. His critique of Jung's analytic uh, archetypes um, is that he recognized an underlying monotheistic bias in Jung's concept of the soul's journey towards individuation, unity, wholeness, things like that. Hillman proposes the opposite, advocating for a polytheistic vision of the soul, acknowledging and tolerating the psyche's multiplicity and fragmentation. So I found his critique to be a breath of fresh air amongst all of the monotheistic inclinations of self-help, psychology, personal development, philosophies, everything sort of always talking about integration. Um, they all have that underlying monotheistic intention for, yeah, integration, oneness, wholeness. And of course this intention is not inherently bad, but it is also not entirely possible and sort of, it calls for an erasure or suppression of all of the multiplicity and pluralistic um, facets uh, within ourselves and the world around us. On page 38 of A Blue Fire, he sort of um, illustrates this uh, perfectly, I think. Um, So yeah, page 38, I quote, which fantasy governs our view of soul making on the process of individuation, the many or the one? The very sound of the question shows already to what extent we are ruled by a bias toward the one. Unity, integration, and individuation seem an advance over multiplicity and diversity. It makes me think about Um, just Western civilization. Um, things like assimilation, acculturation. It it just reminds me of how most religions have this sort of aim, this striving towards a higher or a um something beyond something that is separate from nature, things like that, to reach some sort of wholeness or oneness with everything. Um, but Hillman says that that's not truly possible and also he doesn't see it as he doesn't see it as helpful either to have that perspective where there's this one goal or this one state of being that's favored over every other thing it's the it's like a supremacy of of a state of being Um, hillman says that we shouldn't look at it like a hierarchy in that sense like in order to um, include diversity and multiplicity and just all of the um, differences that make up our universe, we can't be looking at things with just that like one monotheistic sort of lens of integration, of oneness, of wholeness which erases or glazes over everything else. So yeah, he like proposes a sort of disintegrated integration. He, he suggests that in order to deal with the fragmentation of our psyche, when there is a breakdown, uh, we can benefit from polytheistic archetypes, um, such as in Greek polytheism, which allows the coexistence of all the psychic fragments and gives them patterns. And this polytheistic alternative does not have a dualistic nature between good and evil or beauty and beast, but rather it offers multiplicity of psychic states, um, a spectrum. It allows for diversity, which is what our state sort of is this, um, or how we exist, not our state. We have multiple states. We exist in a very diverse, I guess, creation or universe. And it's this diversity that continues to create novelty. Without this diversity, everything, there would just only be this like oneness. And we shouldn't favor a oneness over diversity. Is sort of where he's getting at. Before we get into any more of that, we can go over his um, archetypal psychology. So what is archetypal psychology? Um, this distinct movement was initiated by James Hillman, and it emerged partly from the Jungian tradition and also other authorities such as Henry Corbin, Vico, and Plotinus. Archetypal psychology relativizes the notion of the ego in that it is a fragment of the psyche amongst a plethora of other psychic fragments, such that it is not the main focus in archetypal psychology so you know how in oneness or you know wholeness integration all individuation all those different ways to self-realization or whatever they're always focusing on the ego the place of the ego and and to eradicate it and all this stuff um hillman is like yeah the ego is there but there's also all these other things He sort of puts the ego on the same playing field as everything else, which is interesting. The ego isn't this, like, main focus. It focuses on the psyche or soul, which is that which is concerned with the patterns of psychic functioning. And I'll probably get into that more in this episode or in the next, but just keep with me. It'll be easier to understand, but... Yeah, like explained earlier, this type of psychology likens itself to a polytheistic mythology because it aims to acknowledge the myriad images that shape and are shaped by our psyche. Um, The shaping of the other as well as being shaped by the other is what James Hillman refers to as soul-making. So soul-making in this sense is very um, participatory as you engage with the universe, even with yourself, um, that's you creating soul or acknowledging the soul and everything else. And for James Hillman, the soul isn't a substance. It's not like a, a spirit or how in um, Christianity there's like the soul. That's not, he's not talking about an actual soul or like a substance, but more like the process of soul making. So again, you're also not creating a soul. It's kind of hard to explain, but just don't think of it as like the there's a soul in my body or a soul versus a body. If anything, it, the soul is very embodied. It's very linked with the body. It's not something that goes beyond body or something. Uh just like Alfred North Whitehead, James Hillman is critical of the reductionist, literal and material tendency of natural scientific philosophy in that they are psychologies without soul. The soul for Hillman is present in imagination, fantasy, myth, and metaphor, ideas. The soul is also revealed in one's psychopathology or in the symptoms of one's psychological disorder or states. The soul for Hillman is not a thing or an entity, and it is not located inside of a person. Soul is a perspective rather than a substance, a viewpoint towards things. It mediates events, makes differences. This is very similar to Whitehead, this making of differences. The soul is not located in the brain or head, but rather it's a sort of impulse or guiding principle. It's the composition of all the parts of a creature and the image that ensues. So like the image of a dog, for instance, it is made up of uh, its sensory motor processes, its interactions with the environment and others, its valence towards what is important to it. This creature emerges, the image or soul of that dog is what emerges as a unit made up of a multiplicity of processes and encounters with the world around it. So we are made up of our encounters, but that isn't, we aren't a result of it. Like our encounters don't result in us. It's this um, very, it's participation from both parts. And it's a process, there's no result, there's no individuation, wholeness, moment of integration. There's just this continual process. So the world for Hillman is unsold and is always in a process of soul making. It is a process ontology, and and ontology has to do with how um the uh, the way things are. Um, so like a substance ontology would be that there are things out there and that you are a thing in here. Um, for a process ontology, there are no things in themselves everything is a process, Um, everything is very interconnected, everything influences each other, Um, so if you're thinking about it physiologically, there's just many chemical processes going on connecting everything, Um, so what Hillman does is he goes a step further, that there isn't just physiology, but there's also imagination, and Uh, reflection that goes on which is which he wants to um, incorporate into his psychology he wants to incorporate this imaginal realm as something very important we can't just see the body as uh, just just physical with physiological um, processes sensory motor processes we can't just see it as plain like that there's something more happening in all of that. It's not an empty material uh, physicality, not an empty physicality. And of course it doesn't go beyond physicality. It is physicality, but the way we're approaching it with this empty sort of soulless uh, physicality, Hillman would disagree with that. And for Hillman, again, it's that imaginal realm. It's the soul. The soul for him is that image that emerges the substances that appear to us as such. So how we things appear as substances, because these are like the images that are coming to us. These are the sensations that are coming to us. Um, we don't perceive chemical processes, even though that's what's going on. For us, we our perceptions are more symbolic and more metaphorical. And it is those things specifically that Hillman wants to work with, um, as they are we're not, he's not trying to um, use a sort of psychoanalytic approach, he's not trying to go beyond or find the hidden things, he wants to see things for what they are and what they are saying as they say it, a sort of phenomenology. I'll sort of touch on that in a little bit, is, again, let's keep talking about the soul and his concept of the soul. The soul is the imaginative possibility in our natures so again yeah the soul is that image that emerges the substances that appear to us as such and these appearances are what hillman would term as imaginative possibility which is the soul the soul is this imaginative possibility that is in our natures that which is reflective speculates dreams imagines fantasizes It's that mode of thought which recognizes reality as symbolic or metaphorical. Like I said, um, soul is the poetic basis of mind, as Hillman puts it. Again, similar to Whitehead, he is not calling for a mystical, supernatural, or occult psychology. Neither is he calling for a reductionist, materialist, physiological approach to psychology. He emphasizes the use of our symbols and metaphors as guides to our experiences, Um, specifically, again, as they are, not how psychoanalysts go about it by trying to uncover the hidden. Hillman does not want us to go beyond the images or fantasies, but rather to just be with them, examine them as they appear to us, as they are. He wants us to take a phenomenological approach to imagination, myths, dreams and fantasies. He advises us to stick with the image, stick with those sensations. And sticking with the image or sticking with the sensations is sort of where the psychological work begins or the soul making. It's not really work, you're not trying to cure something, you're not trying or he's not trying to cure or save or fix or whatever. He's He proposes soul making. Yeah, so he wants us to stick with the image. And this sticking with the image is what produces this sort of soul making or is how we make soul, which is very important for Hillman. But yeah, anyways, there's just so much to unpack in Hillman's work. He is known as an artist of psychology, and one can tell this right away when reading his work. It is truly a work of poetry. I'm ending this episode here and will definitely elaborate further on his philosophy and psychology. And also how it relates to Whitehead and other subjects. Um, I think even just while I read him I'm like wow this sounds a lot like um, you can apply it to cognitive science, you can apply it to Whitehead. I honestly just haven't heard the sort of psychological approach where we're leaving this individuation aside, this ego, this wholeness integration, we're leaving that aside and we want to go deeper um, into the soul, into pathology. Um, We want to go deeper into the things as they are, uh, how they appear to us. And we want to bring soul back. Or that's sort of what Hillman, his task is, is just bringing soul back, bringing psyche back to psychology. Because he sees that, he sees psychological practice, um, or he's been seeing it sort of empty um, or soulless very uh, physical and he thinks that myths and fantasy and the imaginal realm are very important to humans specifically and can sort of be and are a powerful drive for the way we live our lives. Even though right now it's a very western um, science sort of outlook, we still um We still kind of rely on a lot of myths on our daily um the way we engage with others and the world this heroic myth we still sort of live on that sort of individuation sort of myth this the myth of gods and heroes destroying um or conquering nature and things like that and that's sort of where we've been living and that's another reason why hillman takes the polytheistic approach or this sort of animistic approach where we're trying not to... Well, we've already damaged a lot of nature, as one can tell with climate change and the state of affairs, but he proposes that in order to encourage and inspire everyone, we need a new myth, or we need, um, we need to sort of go back to our myths, and especially those myths that have a reverence, for nature. And it's not a nature worship, but just like a acknowledgement of coexistence. The fact that we breathe air, the fact that we need water, uh, food, and that us dominating or conquering over this has been destroying and damaging these aspects of nature that we completely depend on. And we're sort of just going to topple over ourselves. But yeah, I don't know. It's just a very uh, new way of looking at things for me. Taking away that sort of monotheistic, um, that goal-oriented, that striving towards this the perfect ideal. He says that. That yeah, that's one aspect, but we should. That isn't the only thing in our experience. Our experience is diverse. Our we have our experiences are very different are rich and the process of soul making is that sort of process of deepening of intensifying these experiences not to a sort of favoring one experience over another but we're just allowing these experiences to be it's sort of very it kind of reminds me of a, a of ACT acceptance commitment therapy in that sense where We're trying to see things as they are and allow things to be, but we also have a creative impulse to go deeper into things, and that's also okay too. But yeah, this perspective has been truly beautiful and enchanting, and I feel like it's something that we need right now, some sort of enchantment, but an enchantment that is very, that is real, that is relevant relevant to nature and people and this universe, not things outside of it. And yeah, there is a need for soul and cohesive myths in our age, and we can benefit from this polytheistic view of psyche. So with that, thank you for listening, and I hope you stay tuned for the next episode.